Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! HBCU news. That's right. I told you, if you're going to get some HBC news, you're going to get it from me. So we're looking at a story here that was published a few days ago. Deion Sanders and other NFL greats raise profile. Lead resurgence of HBCU football. Let's take a look at this story. And also, as a programming note, I'm looking at picking up possibly another sponsor. I'm not going to let the full cat out the bag. Let's just say that this person will be responsible for getting me some masks. You know, we got mask mandates popping back up, so I will be ready when it happens. That person will also be a sponsor of what will be known as my Black College Sports Report. So you're getting a little bit of taste of some right now as you ready to dive into the story about Deion Sanders, other NFL greats raised profile, lead a resurgence of HBCU football. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and start out with a sound clip.
well right now the sound clip is in freeze mode but we are going to get that going so just bear with us and we will get to it here we go and for some reason it does not want to cooperate with me this next from the HBCU go undrafted. I promise you that will not happen. Well, we're going to, we're going to start that over. So let's start. This is the voice of Dion Sanders. And I cannot wait for this event because this is not just a game. It's a celebration. It's an opportunity for us to put our players on stage. And it's no way possible that this next draft we will have a person from the HBCU go undrafted. I promise you that will not happen. Not up under our watch, Coach. Not up under. You're supposed to clap right there. That was some good stuff. <laughs> you mean to tell me that God is so good to me that he would bring me back to my home state and I get to participate against a, a school that was so vital to my life. You know, I, my first wife came from FAMU. We had a good run. We didn't make it in the end, but we had a good run. <laughs> So I thank you, fam, you for, for all of that. Two wonderful kids out of, you know, heck of a court case, but we had a good run. But God would bring me here and back to play my first game in my home state with both of my sons. You got to be kidding me on the sideline with me. I, I can't wait. And this is a wonderful opportunity. I would see my boy Chad Johnson right there. I, I, I love him. And that's he's what Florida is all about. And I love where you at, big fella. Where old you at? Okay, he left. That's Chad. That's Chad. That's Chad. <laughs> Told y'all you shouldn't have gave him his money to the end. Don't give him it to, to the end. It's just Chad. Wait to hold on to that. But I, I cannot wait because, Willie, I'm starting to understand the need, the desire, the want, and the commitment to excellence. Don't you tell nobody if we don't get together what we cannot accomplish. So I'm not your adversary. I'm your brother. Now, we're going to go in and go on the field, but right after that game over, I'm your brother, and I want all of the HBCUs. I want Tiffany to shine. I want everybody to shine. I want all our cities to light. I don't want no crime on that day, no ignorance, no break, broken in cars. I don't want no violence. Just a wonderful event, and I cannot wait to peek out at halftime and watch both bands because I know what the 100 bring, and I know what the Darren Sonic Boom got, so I cannot wait. So those were words from primetime Dion Sanders and basically his vision for HBCU schools in general. So we are going to go ahead and dive into this story. As you can see, he is excited. And of course, there is some more. So a South Florida Classic returns. HBCU coach will be celebrated throughout Labor Day, which was this past weekend. And Deion Sanders made his entrance at Jackson State. A 
say a foot dog coach and excuse me for a moment as I clear out some patients that are driving me crazy. Here we go. Now we can get on with the show. So, HBCU culture will be celebrated throughout Labor Day weekend as Florida AM plays Jackson State at Hard Rock Stadium in the first Orange Bowl Blossom Classic since 1978. And that game was played this past weekend. Deion Sanders made his entrance as Jackson State head football coach last year the way anyone who followed his career would expect. Flash, passion, and bold promises. JSU marching band escorted him to his opening press conference, which made national headlines. Before winning his first practice or winning his first game, he had already raised the profile of historically black colleges and universities. The moment Sanders, the former Florida State and NFL star, put on his blue and white JSU gear, it became a bit cooler to be a Tigers fan. Recruits and sports reporters who previously overlooked HBCU programs were suddenly intrigued, particularly during a time when racial issues were dominating the news. Other NFL greats also took note. Former Michigan NFL running back Tyron Wheatley accepted head coach job at Morgan State after consulting with Sanders. Eddie George, Ohio State's Heisman winner and the Tennessee Titans' all-time leading rusher, also spoke to Sanders before being hired at Tennessee State in April 2021. Sanders will bring added exposure to his team and HBCUs on September 5th when the Tigers head to Miami Gardens to play Florida A&M in the Orange Blossom Classic, America's oldest black college football classic. The event was started at FAMU in 1993. 13 years, the game rotated between Jacksonville, Orlando, and Tampa. And in 1947, it was moved to Miami, where the first predominantly black teams would play in the Orange Bowl Stadium. Attendance grew from 5,000 to a high of 47,191 in 1961, when FAMU defeated Jackson State to finish the season with a perfect 10-0 record. Sanders hopes the Classic will showcase HBCU athletes who might not normally get national exposure. You're going to see some draftable athletes. I promise you that, Sanders said. This is not just a game. It's a celebration. It's an opportunity for us to put our players on stage. Sanders, who is referred to as Coach Prime these days, took to social media earlier this year to express his disappointment that no HBCU players were selected in the 2021 NFL Draft. There is no way that the next time the draft comes around, there won't be a single person from an HBCU school not drafted. Sanders said during a May press conference at Hard Rock Stadium, I promise you that will not happen, not on our watch. Wheatley and George share the same motivation. The SWAC and MEAC have always had great coaches, don't get me wrong, but Dion is called prime for a reason, Wheatley said by phone. His light is the one that shines bright but the rest of us still get the illumination from it. It does help to have a guy like Dion out there promoting HBCU schools, but it isn't just Sanders 
and spectacular marching bands the fans will see. Fans will see a great game, Wheatley said. FAMU's Willie Simmons is a hell of a coach, too. They're going to see two great coaches with good, disciplined teams. The tradition and atmosphere are great, but without football, there's no marching bands. We need to produce good football. We have to break the stigma that HBCU football is not good football. Although HBCUs have turned out 30 pro football Hall of Famers, including Jerry Rice, Mississippi Valley State, Walter Payton, Jackson State, and Michael Strahan, Texas Southern, top high school recruits and NFL scouts tend to focus on the traditional powerhouse programs. George says Sanders' decision to lead Jackson State is already having a profound impact on HBCU football. Dion has already been a game changer, George said. He told me we can definitely be agents of change and bringing the resources and exposure, changing the way people perceive HBCUs and the way they do business. Dion has always been a trendsetter. There's only one prime. One. That's it. I respect him for that. And the rhetoric he's pushing is, it's not about me. It's about getting our conference and kids exposed, highlighting our colleges. Sanders upset that few HBCU players were invited to NFL combines helped launch an HBCU combine. His next goal is to have those players be evaluated at the same combine as prospects from schools such as Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, and Ohio State. Both George and Wheatley stressed the importance of TV exposure for their teams and their universities. During the games, we can show videos that promote the schools of business, agriculture, dentistry. We can showcase that Oprah Winfrey is a Tennessee State alum, George said. People need to see that a lot of successful people graduated from HBCUs. Added Wheatley, it's very important for TV networks to cover our games because everything is visual now. People want to see it in order to believe it. When I bring recruits to Morgan, they're like, wow, this is nice. And I say, what did you think it would be like? They say, well, it's an HBCU. The exposure our football teams get can help change that perception. Jason Horn, athletic director at Florida Memorial University, a historically black school in Miami Garden, says having Sanders, Wheatley, and Georgian HBCU coaching jobs is impactful. Dion getting the job at Jackson State is newsworthy. It creates a news angle that school wouldn't get otherwise, Horn said. The key now is to continue to build off that. Sanders, Wheatley, George were all drawn to their new jobs by something bigger than football. This is what I've been doing my whole life. I've been called to take things to another level, Sanders said on his podcast, 21st and Prime. What God is calling me to now, I'm ecstatic. It's my people. It's my people to I get to touch. A multitude of the parents are the same age as me. I'm so excited. Wheatley said social justice issues played a part in his decision to coach at Morgan State. The Colin Kaepernick issue, Black Lives Matter, those things first spurred it, Wheatley said. I felt as a black man having to choose between football and being black. That was really hard. You had fans losing it not understanding what was going on. I got tired of explaining myself. I've been at PWI's, predominantly white institutions, my entire life in terms of 
college and pro sports. And the more I looked at black colleges, I thought of players like Willie Brown, Harry Carson, Ed Tutal Jones, Doug Williams, Steve Air McNair. And I thought, why not HBCU? Why not? I have a chance to be a coach who can truly empathize with his players because I experienced the same things they have. George has similar sentiments. College football has become transactional with the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, super conferences. It's becoming like the NFL, he said. I see these athletes as men with valuable lives, and I want to help cultivate their spiritual life, social life, physical life, and mental life. George said the Tennessee State job was a calling that kept tugging at him after he declined previous offers. What drew me was the opportunity to affect lives in a way I never visualized myself doing, George said. Given what's happened with Black Lives Matter, the racial issues we've gone through in our country the last 24 months, that definitely raises the profile of HBCU schools. The key now is sustainability. This can't be a flash in the pan or 15 minutes of fame. We want kids to know you can come to an HBCU and have the same type of experience as someone going to Ohio State. You can have a great education, social life, and get to the NFL because if you're good enough, they will find you. Wheatley agreed. With the Black Lives Matter movement, you have to strike the iron while it's hot, but you have to keep it hot. During that whole time, I had lots of kids calling, but then parents, high school coaches, seven-on-seven coaches, talked to them and said, hey, you're bigger than that. You're better than that. You need to go to a bigger school. Heads are starting to turn this way, but we still have a lot of ground to make up in terms of getting the overall top-notch recruits. Can Morgan State, Jackson State, can we really go head-to-head with, Al- with the Alabamas and Clemsons of the world? Not yet. Are we making strides? Yes. So there is that story right there. Looking at the coaches that are looking to make an impact at historically black colleges and universities. Wow. 17 minutes has gone by already. And we still have a lot more to go. So what I am going to do right now is I am going to take a break. You hear the music playing in the background. We'll come back with some more. Stay seated. Keep your seatbelts on. Still building up ahead of steam. It's the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is your conductor and host, Anthony Smith. Be right back at you. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at 
www.cakeybums.com. That's www.c-a-k-e-y-b-u-m-s.com. www.cakeybums.com to enhance your workout with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. I'm Nick. And I'm Adam. And we're cheering from the cheap seats, and you're listening to the A-Train Sports Podcast. Whoop, whoop! Welcome back to my next segment on the A-Train Sports Podcast, and going to go ahead and come back with another segment centered around HBCU students looking at the SWAC and the MEAC pretty much. And what I'm going to look at in this segment is going to be the SWAC top players as as the SWAC announced the top offensive and defensive players after week one. We're going to go ahead and get into that right now. And I hope you are enjoying the content thus far. So let's take a look at this right now. Swag announces offensive and defensive players after players of the week after week one. The Swag announces offensive and defensive players of the week after week one. The Southwestern Athletic Conference has named Alabama A and M Glass. Jackson State's Aubrey Miller, Grambling State's Garrett Urban, and Prairie UNM's Jawan Pass as SWAC Football Players of the Week after their outstanding performances during games played this past week of competition. SWAC stars in Week One: Aquil Glass, Alabama A&M Glass, St. Louis, Missouri, showed the skill set that helped elevate him to the SWAC Offensive Player of the Year crown at the conclusion of the spring season. His stellar play at quarterback helped lead Alabama A&M to a thrilling 42-41 victory over South Carolina State to open the 2021 season. Glass went 28-49 of for 426 yards and four touchdowns through the air while adding one touchdown on the ground. Over the course of the game, he would connect on 32 of 35 strikes before rushing the ball for the game-winning score from the one-yard out to give Alabama A&M a 42-41 lead with 6.30 left to play in regulation. Top defensive player of the week, Aubrey Miller, Jr., Jackson State. Miller, Memphis, Tennessee, had a game-high nine tackles and recorded one sack for a Jackson State defense that kept Florida A&M out of the end zone while also limiting the Rattlers to 234 yards 
total offense. He contributed one tackle for loss, 15 yards, one pass breakup, highlighted by seven unassisted stops during JSU's 7-6 win over Florida A&M at the Orange Blossom Classic. Top specialist in week one, Garrett Urban, Grambling. Urban, Houston, Texas, was a key factor for Grambling State's special teams unit during the Tigers' 16-10 win over Tennessee State. He punted the ball six times for a total of 246 yards, 41 yards per punt, with a long of 51 yards. Urban would go on to connect on a 24-yard field goal attempt with 948 remaining in regulation to push GSU's lead to 16-10, which would subsequently be the final score of the contest. Top Newcomer of the Week, Juwan Pass, Prairie View A&M. Pass from Columbus, Georgia, a transfer from Louisville, led a Prairie View A&M Panthers offensive unit that racked up 486 yards of total offense on 75 plays. He completed 25 of 37 passes for 354 yards with three passing touchdowns. His effort helped lead Prairie View A&M University to a 40-17 season opening win over Texas Southern in the Labor Day Classic. So there you have some more news surrounding players of the week. What I want to do, though, is go back because it appears that Deion Sanders has kind of ruffled some feathers based on some comments he made of a possible merger between the MEAC and the SWAC. So I want to kind of dive into that a little bit. So let's just go ahead and take a look at that as well. Because Dion or Coach Prime or Primetime or whatever it is you feel like calling him, he was this splash hire and he is letting his voice be heard and letting his feelings be known. So let's see how the response went. But first of all, Let's listen in to HBCU Legends. HBCU Legends. And we have a legend within her own right. She works for the NFL as the vice president of, let me get it right, business operation strategy within football operations. Correct? Correct. You are correct. We are here with Miss Natara. How are you doing, Natara? I am fantastic. <laughs> All right. I appreciate you spending some time with me today to kind of talk about what happened at the NFL HBCU Open House with the commissioners from the four major uh, HBCU conferences, SWAC, MEAC, uh, SIAC, as well as the CIAA. Ah, CIAA. I learned that. All right, you gotta say double A. <laughs> yeah, double A. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so, how was the event? I mean, you guys had two days uh, with the the commissioners. You guys talked about a whole lot of things, but uh, just share with me your immediate takeaways. Yeah. So, no, it, it was phenomenal, and and this is an event that we have in order to 
ensure that administrators and uh, students and student athletes, um, alumni are aware of the opportunities and uh, initiatives that the NFL and the, the HBCUs put on together in partnership. And this year we had it in the hybrid formation in which we invited all of the conference, the, each of the conference commissioners uh, to our new home in LA. And we wanted to show off our new home for a little bit and, and then just really do a deep dive into needs, gap analysis, what we had as a success over the last year. We actually talked to the commissioners over the year. Uh, each one of the conferences had a representative here um, this, this, this past two days. And we just, we really had some great conversations into your question of what did we learn? It was around, um, like I said, successes that we had over the year, but how can we do things better? And we did a lot more listening than talking. Um, we did a lot of idea sharing and, and coming up with some really cool thoughts for what to do over this next year. Um, but really just wanted to understand um, what are their challenges and if there are possibilities for the NFL to partner more so that we can be a resource for them. And, and we heard things about NIL. We heard things about resources from an equipment perspective, coaching, um, just information on mental health. We heard things around uh, athletic trainers. And so just wanting to be more responsive to the needs as opposed to trying to say, hey, we have this program, come to it. It was more about how do we build programming around the things that you guys are telling us. Right. However, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, Prime Time, whatever it is you want to call him, the MEAC responds to Coach Deion Sanders' SWAC merger comments. The MEAC issued an official statement after the Orange Blossom Classic press conference comment from Jackson State University head coach Deion Sanders. MEAC issued an official statement after the Orange Blossom Classic press conference comment from Jackson State head, University head coach Deion Sanders. Coach Sanders expressed his thoughts regarding creating a probable super conference if the SWAC and the MEAC would merge. HBCU Game Day's Stephen J. Gather reported, Sanders said, We love it. The more the merrier. The president of the SWAC He's been doing a phenomenal job, and I like what he's doing. I love his vision. I love what he is thinking. Personally, I wish the MEAC would flop, would fold up like a tent and just come on so we could really do this thing like the SEC. That's my hope. That's my dream. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen no time expeditiously. Today, the MEAC released an official response to Sanders' statement a source confirmed it was due to merger comments. The Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, MEAC, has just completed a successful 50th anniversary recognizing our former student athletes and coaches and the impact they have made in their communities and the professional ranks. The conference's membership has a rich history of academic and athletic excellence and is committed to its long-term sustainability. The MEAC has strong national leadership in its presidents and chancellors and is aware and involved in the current issues facing the NCAA. We wish Coach Sanders 
his student athletes, and his program well this season. The MEAC will have no further comments on this matter. So that was their response to Deion Sanders saying he wished the conference would just fold. So as you're listening to this, what are your thoughts? Those of you who are out there in HBCU territory and you get a chance to hear this podcast, please reach out to me. Here, I'm going to even leave you my number, 316-553-2010. I'm also leaving my number in my description box. I want y'all to call me. I might be able to get one of y'all on my next session. Seriously. I have an open-door policy, so if you want to come on, if you want to talk some sports, if you want to talk HBCU, let's do this thing. But what are your thoughts about Deion Sanders and his comments, and what do you think about the response? Was the response a timely response, or do you think there could possibly be a merger? It remains to be seen. One man has spoken. There was a response to it. But all it takes is one person to plant a seed. And that's a pretty loud seed. Primetime, Deion Sanders. Well, as of right now, my time is getting even limited. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pause right now. And when I come back, I will have a quick segment for you. And this train will be pulling into the station. So stay tuned. I'll be back after these messages. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener-supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, $0.99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Welcome back to my final segment. I'm going to go ahead and stick with the college theme. Because one thing that keeps rearing its head realignments and the realignment domino continues to fall AAC school reportedly submits application to join Big 12 let's go ahead and get on in this AAC school reportedly submits application to join Big 12 
college football landscape is changing with schools set to change conferences left and right. Much of that is because the Big 12 is going to need to find some new members. At least one is officially on the way, according to Jason Williams of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Cincinnati has submitted its application to join the Big 12, which is expected to announce the Bearcats as a new member on Friday. Cincinnati had been a member of the AAC since the conference formation in 2013. Before that, Bearcats previously had been a founding member of Conference USA, which started in 1995. Big 12 is losing both Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC which has created a greater need for it to add new member schools. In addition to Cincinnati, it's been reported that BYU, Houston, and UCF are also expected to formally apply to the Big 12 this week. Cincinnati's football program has fared well in the AAC in recent years, having won nine or more games in each of the three previous seasons. The Bearcats went 9-0, in the 2020 regular season before losing to Georgia in the Peach Bowl. If the other three reported schools join Cincinnati and applying to the Big 12, it will help the conference maintain a high level of competition despite losing a pair of strong programs. It may not be long before the next domino falls after the Bearcats got things started. So this realignment won't go away. And I believe this is just the start of things to come because now the AAC is being served on notice and I'm pretty sure they're looking for teams to replace the aforementioned Houston, UCF, and whoever else may be looking. I mean, think about it, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, I talked with some guys on a radio show today, and I told them this can't help but to bolster the recruiting base. I look at it like this. Cincinnati, a team that has been pretty formidable, like I said, the last three years, winning nine or more games or so. You have to look at their recruiting base. They're in Ohio, which we know Ohio is known for Ohio State. And my theory is, you get those players that have been overlooked in the big conference, such as the Big Ten or mainly Ohio State. You get those remains and you build your program off of that. They might not be the five-star athlete, but by the time they get through a school, they end up being a five-star athlete. The reason I mention that because I did a story on a young man out of Wichita East who's going to Kansas State. And he made a point, and it made good sense. He said, K-State don't always go after the five-star athlete. They develop them. By the time they leave, they end up being a five-star athlete. So I think that's what Cincinnati is doing. That's how they're building their program. And Cincinnati has two games on their schedule worth noting, Notre Dame and Indiana. Notre Dame did not look all that impressive against Florida State in their season open. Notre Dame has some holes to fill. Now, it's circled on Cincinnati's schedule. Cincinnati, I mean, Notre Dame and Houston in 
those two games basically are must wins if they have any hopes of crashing the party known as the college football playoff. Question is, just how strong is Notre Dame? Are they that strong, or is this a rebuilding year? Because you have to take this into consideration. Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. Does it hold any merit based on how Notre Dame may end up playing this year? Likewise with Indiana. Indiana had a good breakout year to the point to where people were saying, well, maybe Indiana is becoming a football school, although they've been known as a basketball school. However, their basketball program has been very irrelevant. But was that one year, was that an aberration because of what had happened with COVID last year? Or is Indiana for real? So in Cincinnati's case, they need for Notre Dame, they need for Indiana to be good for those wins to count. Then they have to win their conference. If they go undefeated, and right now they're ranked eighth or ninth in the country right now, move up the rankings, and maybe with a little bit of help, some of the other teams fall. Could this be the year that we finally see a team outside the Power Five crack the college football playoff, known as college football Final Four? Well, that is all I have. I'm getting ready to pull this train into the station. Hopefully you have enjoyed this podcast. Like I say, I'm going to leave my number in the description box. And hopefully, you reach out to me. Leave your comments. Who knows, maybe I'll get you on. Also, coming up this weekend, high school football this weekend. So, I will be giving you the rundown of the games to come. Also, I'll be giving you a scoring recap. Of course, Coach's Corner, which is sponsored by the Health Connection. Three locations to serve you. Two of them in Wichita, in West Douglas, North Rock Road, and also location in Rose Hill. Oh, Natalie Greenland. Stop by. Tell the A-Train sent you. Hope the train is pulling into the station. You may now fasten your seatbelt. Remember, your ticket is reusable. So keep hold of it. First, if you lose it, let's get another one. A-Train, Anthony Smith, signing off. Till next time, take care of yourself. God bless. Thank you.